Honey, you have an amazing horoscope. It says, now brace yourself, good luck's a coming. Oh, well, that's a different. <laughs> See, till now, Peg, I always thought horoscopes were a lot of hooey, but after hearing good luck's a coming, and I realize they're based on hard scientific data. Tell me something, Peg, does it say anything in there about the wife is a leaving? Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children podcast. My name's Tyler, and somebody needs to pay for this podcast, but not with these winnings, right, officer? Who do I have with me today? Uh, this is Stephen Scott, and I still get my big screen TV, right? Sure, Stephen. Sure. <laughs> awesome. That's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are back with the f- fourth episode of season eight. Um, as of this recording, we've we're doing this nice and chronologically. Um, we should have season eight, episode three, already done and done, and. Surprisingly enough, Stephen, we're actually following the format of how this episodes were, you know, how these episodes were produced. This is uh, production number four, so these were episodes were written in order and are were being filmed in order. Original air date for this episode was September 26, 1993, and it was written by Richard German. When I, the, even though the episode's written really well. Tony Stony Singletary, the director, I think was asleep at the wheel, Stephen. He might have been. He might have been and crashed big time. Sorry, listeners. I know I'm usually the uh, Mary with Children lover, so I, I kind of tend to find every episode perfect, but this one, not so much. The title of this episode is called The Luck of the Irish. The luck of the Bundys. Oh, oh I'm, I mean, yes, the luck, the luck of the Bundys. I say it every time. I actually typed in "luck of the Irish" when I went to, like, you know, pull up the Wikipedia episode last night, and I'm like, oh, that's right. It, see, even the title's bo- like boring. Okay, so "luck of the Bundys" is, if you didn't know, it comes from the saying "the luck of the Irish," or which you probably don't know, the poker saying "luck of the draw." Real deep, right, Stephen? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Not much imagination there, but oh well. So, Stephen, um, let's just give our, you know, quick thoughts of our viewing experience, like how we felt like after watching it and everything. Well, I felt satisfied. I felt it was a pretty good episode. So, I felt a little uh, down on it, and Stephen felt satisfied. So, the episode opens up with Al coming into a glorious audience applause. 
was work. Horrible, Peg. I fell off a ladder and well, I Well, that's my... nice. Because <laughs> I want you in a good mood. Honey, I bought a new dress. How do you like it? Well, I don't know, Peg. I'd have to see it without you in it. <laughs> what do you need a new dress for, anyway? There's nobody inside the TV looking at you. <laughs> well, I bought it so I'd be ready. See? My horoscope says, buy a new dress. You're about to embark on a new and unique undertaking. Isn't that great? Well, the undertaking has a kind of a nice ring to it. <laughs> you know what, Stephen? You wouldn't think red hair, red earrings, red lipsticks, and a red dress would work so well, but... It does. It does. Oh, she is... She is smoke. She is smoking hot. My notes are: Peg is smoking hot in this. Oh yeah, and the audience, you know, really clapped for her. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, like half the audience clapped, the other half were just jaws hitting the floor. <laughs> so she's reading up, uh, reading up her newspaper here, and we're talking horoscopes. <laughs> God. <laughs> How can you have a horoscope-centered episode after you do a full-on psychic TV episode? It is strange. And actually, last night I was watching a couple of Married with Children episodes on WGN America before I went to bed. And I noticed that they have this psychic hotline ad during rebroadcasts of them. And I thought, that's pretty ironic. I watched Select the Mondays before that on my DVD. So it wasn't a... It wasn't a joke. This was a legit psychic hotline ad. Well, I don't know if you can call it legitimate, but it was an actual psychic hotline because, you know, psychics, horoscope, I don't believe any of that crap. Well, I'm going to ask what a lot of our listeners are probably thinking. Did you call it, Stephen? No, I never do. And it's funny because these people are on there, you know, the, the customers are talking to. I was a skeptic when I called. And then afterwards, it's like, it was the best psychic reading I ever had. And when I think about these contradictions here i was skeptical but it was the best psychic reading i ever had i mean like you're gonna call up and they're gonna say yeah tomorrow you're gonna get hit by a bus or tomorrow you're gonna get covid and lose your job or something like that you're never gonna hear a psychic say that or a, or a horoscope tell you that okay well mr psychic uh, hotline critic i gonna throw it right out there and listeners uh let us know on the facebook if you like this idea i will do it patreon exclusive if you if you want to join and support the show i will record and call this psychic hotline and and do a nice little private post let us know what you think all right so we are getting onto this al flops down and after a little back and forth tete-a-tete peg just goes let's just do your horoscope magoo and i was like wait what i backtracked Oh, she says Magoo, like Mr. Magoo. Right. Stephen, are you familiar with a man named J. Quincy Magoo? Yes, of course. I love those old cartoons. Uh, pardon me, officer. Oh, a bright-eyed minion of the law. Uh, could you direct me to Armand's exclusive shop for men? Oh, thank you, officer. I'll put in a good word for you with the chief, a personal friend of mine cartoons wasn't it a live action movie it was a live action movie i didn't leslie nielsen star in it he absolutely did and you know what i looked up some pictures of mr magoo he's adorable it's a perfect perfect character and you know what take leslie nielsen scrunch him down into a little 
little pop there you got mr bagoo but yeah so mr bagoo was a fictional character created at the upa animation studio in 1949 originally it was voiced by jim bacchus or mr howell from gilgan's island for all you gilgan heads out there so basically, Stephen said it right. Mr. Magoo is an elderly, wealthy, short-statured retiree who gets into a series of comical situations as a result of his extreme nearsightedness. Those little uh, lines on his face, it's not just cute. He really can't see. So by compounded by his stubborn refusal to admit the problem, he has an uncanny streak of luck, and the situation always seems to work itself out for him, leaving him no worse than before. And you know what? Wow. Yep. My nose hurts with how on it that this episode is with the title and the Magoo reference now. And so Peggy reads out Al's uh, horoscope. Look, Al, you're a cancer. <laughs> right back at you. Honey, you have an amazing horoscope. It says, now brace yourself, good luck's a coming. Oh, well, that's a different. <laughs> See, till now, Peg, I always thought horoscopes were a lot of hooey, but after hearing good luck's a common, and I realize they're based on hard scientific data. <laughs> Tell me something, Peg, does it say anything in there about the wife is a leaving? <laughs> and the kids are a wither? Al's reaction to to how it ends. And aren't all these horoscopes, don't they always end like this? They're always positive. They always tell you what you really want to hear. If one, if I opened up my horoscope and it just said, today you're gonna, uh, you're gonna twist your ankle, and that was it, I would not leave my bed, Stephen. Like, just... <laughs> it, I, I'm flat out. I would not leave my bed. I would just stay there to prove it wrong, because that would scare the crap out of me. Yeah, Weird Al Yankovic has a great song called That's Your Horoscope For Today. It's an original song off of his Poodle Hat album, and it basically has something unique, negative uh, horoscopes, like uh, don't ignore that 14-pound uh, um, cancer in your colon. Another one is you're going to get your, uh, you're going to take a trip when you get your front tongue frozen to a bus. <laughs> And uh, it's just all these bad things, and it shows you that that's what horoscopes do. They, they just try, they're, and they're very vague too. They can be interpreted in so many different ways. All right, so Al and Peggy are now talking about the birthday thing, Stephen. Which uh, thank you for pointing that out earlier to me because I would have completely forgotten it. So apparently. Um, <laughs> They have a whole thing back, Peggy and Al have a whole thing back and forth about Al's birthday. Al goes, it's two months after yours, Peg. The only difference is that I have mine every year. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Peggy's doing like half dog years probably, right? Yeah. <laughs> Al, look, you're a cancer. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good line. <laughs> oh, my God, because he just stares at her and everyone, and he finally makes that joke like, what does he say to her? He's like, like, so are you or something like that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but yeah, so basically Peggy's birthday is April 12th. And Al's license, Stephen, is listed as November 8th, 1948. But according to this, it would be June 23rd in order to qualify as a cancer. Yeah. Basically, he goes, I don't like 23. 
Yeah. But you were born on the 23rd. And we married were married on the 23rd. On the 23rd. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he's changing his birthday or, like, wants to, like, change it. You know, like, doing that whole, if I believe it really hard, it's not, it's, it won't be true. You know what would really been funny is episodic. You know, nowadays when they do something like this, they get together, the writers, and they determine all this beforehand. Like, when would Al have been born? When was Peggy born? What was their anniversary? I think it would have been hilarious if we found out that Al was born on a Friday the 13th. Oh, that would be perfect. And you know, yeah, you're right. Uh, TV shows ha- do this all the time now. They have the Bible and whatnot. But we got to remember, Married with Children is a complete fluke of a ne- of a show that I think every season they were all like, "Really? We we get another one? Okay." It's I really do believe they thought, "Okay, this is going to be the end of us." And the fact that they were able to keep the kind of continuity that they do is is quite impressive because we're going to have an explosive bit of continuity coming up fairly soon. Well, you see, and that's it. Back then, you didn't write. Like I said, the writers didn't have the means to decide when are their birthdays and anniversaries and all that stuff. Nowadays, they do. Oh, yeah. And nobody back then, Stephen, was listening to the burnout stoner intern going, guys, you got to listen to me, man. I'm telling you... There are these things called podcasts of the future. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a bunch of nerds and losers going through these shows bit by bit, and they're going to find these little mistakes. No one listened to that guy, Stephen, and, well, look where look where they got him. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, do we, let's move on into one, my, probably one of my favorite parts of this episode, a return of, hands down, one of my favorite creations that Married with Children ever, has ever made. This is up there with uh, Psycho Dad and No Ma'am. Kelly coming back in to talk about how she's no longer employed. Daddy, I'm afraid I have some bad news for you. Well, pumpkin, that, that can't be. <laughs> The horror with the scope here says good lots are coming. The health inspector is closing down the diner for two days. Well, that's not so bad. Well, then they're tearing it down. <laughs> Can you believe it? I'm unemployed. That's all because of those stupid raisin cookies. What, the, the raisin cookies you were getting me free every day? <laughs> yeah. You know, it turns out that only half the raisins were actually raisins. (laughs) What was the other half? Oh, believe me, Daddy, you do not want to know. Kelly's like the rest of America right now, Stephen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just problems in the workplace, you know, you know, people aren't showing up, uh, you know, the, the economy's not too great, and, you know, the the raisin cookies you have are being, are being taken by the Department of Atomic Defense. <laughs> so Kelly walks in, wearing her waitress uniform, reminding us that she has a job, and she goes, the health inspector's closing the diner for two days. Peg goes, well, that's not so bad. And Kelly goes, no, they're tearing it down after that. And ending Kelly's diner job. And that's it. 
gone with the diner because one of the people that was de-lousing her for the tearing down because of these because <laughs> apparently Stephen the raisin cookies that daddy's little girl had been stealing for Al every day at work well half the raisins on the cookies weren't raisins <laughs> what was the other half oh so trust me Stephen you don't want to know yeah I love I like that part <laughs> uh, Stephen I'm sorry you're you're messaging me now and saying Tyler you've got to tell me I can't remember Stephen I can't tell you the guy from the Atomic Defense Research Center says mums the word on this huh like they threatened the podcast Stephen I can't tell you okay so, <laughs> okay I understand so, so yeah, so basically, uh, things that may be and may not be raisins caused the diner to shut down. And one of the guys that was delousing her, I mean, doing something that might be called delousing, recognizes Kelly from her old extermination commercial. Uh, what, 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 did she just play a normal exterminator on this commercial, Stephen? No, she was dressed as a superhero and was known as the Verminator. A play on love, yeah. Terminator. Oh my god, I love this so much. I'm sorry. Oh, I applauded when she said the V word, oh. which is obviously a, a reference to Terminator. Oh, ouch, Stephen, my nose. It's it still it still hurts from that from all these on the nose jokes here. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yes, very very lazy. But that's an example of a lazy joke. The right here, that's a lazy joke. But it's going to come in full wackiness when you see the outfit she's got on later. Well, she wore it already, and Kelly um, breaks out, I think. But but that's the point, is they actually had the slack to bring her out and wearing it in this episode, whereas a lot of the other humor is just implied and doesn't actually be shown. Uh, we're, we're, we're getting to how I'll feel at the end of this episode, but basically the fact that they actually are like, oh, we're going to talk about the Verminator. She's not going to be the Verminator again until later, not even in the season, sadly. But they're just like, you know what? We're going to bring it out. And if you guys, if, if people watching back then hadn't seen that episode back when she did the commercial, they're going to be like, wait, what? What's the Verminator? So they, so Christina Applegate just flops down that stairs later wearing that costume. And it looks awesome. There will be pictures I will be posting. Um, all right. So we got Kelly with her awesome news about coming back as the Verminator. And just when I'm thinking, I guess David Faustino doesn't want to be in this episode. Oh, he was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He flops in. Good news. I pledged a fraternity today. And if I'm accepted, I'm moving into the frat house. Al, did you hear that? I can't believe it. I'm finally going to be a cool frat dude. I'll have respect. I'll have honor. I'll be my own man. Dad, can I have some money? I gotta go buy a tutu with a trapdoor in it. They're gonna spank me on the corner of 5th and Main for my initiation. And I have two notes about Bud, uh, Stephen. Mm-hmm. And they are these, these. These are the notes. Oh my God, Bud's beard. Mm-hmm. Bud's fraternity beanie, WTF. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so yeah, um, B- 
Bud's beard. I will post a, a screenshot. That's all you gotta know. Now, Bud's fraternity. Um, let, do we want to talk about this fraternity jokes? Uh, I guess we can. <laughs> so yeah, so so apparently Bud is joining the fraternity. All this stuff. The shows. I'm gonna make it sound like it's gonna come back, but it really doesn't. But. You guys remember in Season 7, Episode 11, the old college try, Bud had a lot of luck. Then it all comes crashing down, and where he's still trying now, going back into college. So they're just really kicking this, um, this idea of Bud going into higher education, which makes sense for a character of his age. It would either be Kelly <laughs> in college. And remember, Bud tried to start his own fraternity as well. Oh, that's right. What was it? Uh, uh, it was Alpha Alpha gonna Alpha gonna get him, right? Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Peg, have you ever heard of the Bundy curse? You mean that foot odor thing? <laughs> the other curse. You see, the minute that a Bundy starts having good luck, he immediately starts to build up an equal amount of bad luck. It's simple Bundynomics. But honestly, I will, I do, I'm not going to talk about it when he uh, comes back later, so I'm just going to say it right now. Um, Bud comes back later wearing this really stupid fraternity beanie, a beanie from like 1940. I don't think fraternities, with the exception of like the Ivy League schools, would still be wearing these like archaic beanies. I don't even think the Ivy League schools wear them anymore. I mean, definitely not anymore, but I could totally see, like, Harvard and one of the high, high ones that, like, George Bush was in, still making the, in, I almost said interns, <laughs> the uh, the pledges, mm-hmm. um, wear those beanies. But he's, like, wearing, it was a thing of, like, you wear that with pride. Like, I am part of this group. Only this group can make fun of me. Nobody else can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he comes in going... Gamma, gamma, sigma, pi. Gonna, gonna get some thigh. I'm in. Words a male Bundy has never uttered before. <laughs> what happened to Alpha? Gonna get him. Yeah, right? Well, now we're gonna hear how exactly Al feels because he's getting really nervous because you know what? He's sitting down thinking, huh, Kelly's getting to get a job and might actually help her move out of this house. By the way, she does say that she can actually move out. And so does Bud. Bud actually feels that he's, if he's in this fraternity, he gets to live with the fraternity for free, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but basically the, the job that Kelly is going to be getting and the fraternity that Bud is assumingly going to join will give them access to move out of the Bundy household. And we know most parents, this would be a very trying thing. This is this is a dream come true for Al. So he should be happy, right, Stephen? Yeah, he should be. All these good things happening, the kids moving out? I'm doomed. <laughs> but he's not. But he's... No... No, no, he is not. Uh, why don't you let us know? Why is uh, why the sudden turn for Al and his character? He says, well, he thinks his luck is going to sling back the other way. He explained the Bundy curse. Whenever there's a certain amount of good luck, an equal amount of bad luck is already building up and it's going to snap back. Al looks at the camera and he says, I'm doomed. And then we hear 
the little bit of music that sounds like the end of the Twilight Zone. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I, I just love that. I, I keep forgetting that I, I still have it in my notes, Dragnet, but it's not Dragnet, and it is it is the Twilight Zone. I just have a big L next to it as well because it looks like a Looney Tunes sketch that I love so much. Yeah. There are, there are gems in this, but yes, we see that whole clip where Al is absolutely assured that if a Bundy gets too much good luck... It's going to come back in full force. I've got a theory on this, Curse. I don't want to reveal now, but I'm going to reveal it later when we uh, wrap up the episode and rate it. Okay, good. I'm glad you said that because I'm, you'll review it first then because I'm gonna have, I have a, a, a theory of my own. And listeners, me and Steven did not discuss that part before recording. So this is going to be interesting. I have no idea what Steven's going to say. I'm excited. All right, so... Scene ends with that that whole nice act break with Al staring off in his doomed future. After Al feels his doom coming, <laughs> we transition now to Kelly coming in with the show actually trying. We not only hear Verminator, we see her in her full Wonder Woman. <clears throat> I mean, Verminator glory. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Daddy. Are things still going well? I'm afraid so, Pumpkin. I'm sorry. It's okay. Oh, I really wish you would come to the homecoming rally tonight. I've been working on a special entrance. I'm going to ride this Harley up a ramp, jump over a bonfire pit, and then light the flames with my exhaust. (laughs) Kelly, just exactly how did you learn to do stunts like this? In your car, ditching the police. (laughs) It's awesome. I would so love to see... Wouldn't it be amazing if we went to like a Comic-Con and Christina Applegate was just walking around wearing that? Oh, that'd be amazing. I doubt she will, but yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Listeners, get on Twitter. Like, just start asking. Uh, people listen. She would probably still... Uh, and uh, she would still look great in it. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> she... Oh, she still does. Like... Uh, I've been following this um, the Christina Applegate fan group run by Tommy Dakota. He it's it's just great. Like the amount of stuff that people are finding and just like random pictures she'll like selfie herself with. It's just she seems like a very approachable uh, celebrity. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they all are. Seems like it. Yeah, like even Ed O'Neill. Um, every I've heard a few people who said they've inter- interviewed him and they're like. It's like interviewing your grandpa. Mm-hmm. Like, you just ask him questions and he will talk. So, I have a, my next uh, show note, Stephen, is Lady and Crowd Laughing at Diana Ross Mention. <laughs> ah, well, I'll make you proud of me, Daddy. You know what the great thing is? I mean, career-wise, this is just a start. You know, like, like Michael Jackson before he became Diana Ross? <laughs> I know I'm just a local mascot now, but with a little luck, I could be a dancing fruit in somebody's underwear. Listeners, I'm going to put that in, because this lady starts going crazy, because Kelly goes, you know, like Michael Jackson, before he became Diana Ross. (laughs) Because Michael Jackson, well, basically, we all know, underwent a transformation from the early 70s to the early 80s. His nose got thinner, his skin got lighter... 
Um, I'm not even going to go into all that, uh, but there's some, if you just type in Michael Jackson um, transition on YouTube, there's some really good uh, like fan footage to show how his transformation happened. Mm -hmm. But um, basically he did actually, I looked some pictures up, he did actually look like a male version of Diana Ross. You know, and uh, there was part that uh, I think you overlooked here, because Kelly's going to explain to her daddy what she's going to be doing dressed as the verminator she's going to have a special entrance she says i'm going to ride a harley up a ramp jump over a bonfire and then light the flames with my exhaust oh yeah. my god you're absolutely it's right like what could go wrong there and that's just evil knievel type stuff you know the daredevil from the 70 uh, 60s and 70s that's absolutely right and i could totally see her doing this like it it, it i shouldn't but I really can. Now, here was a good joke, actually. Uh, Al says, you can do that. And she says, yes. And uh, I got plenty of practice, dog, you know, doing stunts like that while driving your car. <laughs> then there's oh the look God. on his face. <laughs> the Dodge. Yeah. And it comes back into play. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, you know what, Stephen? At least she didn't steal a car, right? At yeah. least she's using a car that Al actually owns. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> You'll find out, listeners, why I'm laughing later. I didn't. I totally forgot about that because, guys, when you hear that Diana Ross uh, laughter from the audience, you'll get why I'm why I forgot. All right, so Kelly starts talking about um, how she's just a local mascot now, but with a little luck, there's that L word, luck. I could be dancing in fruit in somebody's underwear. And, well, if out of context, that sounds terrible, but it's actually a reference to the Fruit of the Loom commercial. You can go check that out on YouTube right now. Uh, so, basically, Al starts talking about, that'll be the Grim Reaper. <laughs> and I was like, wait, Grim Reaper. And I checked back to my old notes, and did you guys, this, that might be a, a teaser to episode seven. Good day. Possibly. It could be. We'll have to see. I don't know if we're going to be on that one, Stephen, but we'll have to, I'm sure to look for that when I listen to it. All right. So now we finally get Marcy and Jefferson, who just need to be shoehorned into this. Like I say, this seems to be kind of lazy. Like, yeah. Just popping on in. We get, we get an actual funny uh, chicken reference again, because there always needs to be a chicken joke <laughs> somewhere. Hey, Jefferson, don't look now, but something followed you home from El Pollo Loco. <laughs> oh, and that's uh, Spanish for the crazy chicken. The name of, yep. And it's actually a name of two independent restaurant chains founded by Juan Francisco Ocoa. And he established the first one in... Guase, I don't know how to say that, Guase, Sonola, Mexico, way back in 1974. It's uh, Guasave. Yeah, Guasave, Sonola. Sorry, the only Spanish I know are taco, burrito, and enchilada. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the uh, crazy chicken, uh, El Pollo Loco. Now, that's an interesting joke, but it doesn't really... It, I don't know, it just... That's something that would sneak past a lot of people. Exactly. Yeah, I guess they're like, you know what? If you're not understanding what the chicken joke is, it's you're not going to get it. And I think that works. So basically, Marcy's here to borrow a camera, and we're like, oh wow, okay. So they're finally 
they're finally needing something that the Bundys have. And Al, being a jerk, goes, What happened to your camera? And we find out, Stephen, that uh, actually, (laughs) what Al refers to as your camera is actually their camera. Just as what he refers to your garbage can, he refers to as the backyard. (laughs) So, yes, I, I do love this idea that this is one of the funny running jokes that they just steal everything from the uh, from the Jeffersons. <laughs> you know, they just yeah. steal it all, and the Darcy's, they know yeah. it, and they just put up the yes, the Darcys. Yes, I I keep calling them the Jeffersons in my note just because it's funny. I think that was the joke they were trying to make too. I still hold to that that the fact that his last name is Jefferson, and instead it's like no, we're still the Darcys. Because you think, like, oh, my God, they're going to be the Jeffersons. No. Nope. We know what joke we're doing. Don't worry. (laughs) It's Jefferson Darcy. Yeah. Yeah. Marcy Darcy. Okay. So, Peggy and Marcy go and do their own thing. And Al is ruminating about, you know, about how how his luck is there. And Jefferson makes a really interesting ploy. Anyway, you know, Al, I've been a little worried about this lucky streak you've been having. I mean, it might wear off before I've had a chance to take advantage of it. (laughs) Hell's bells, we can't have that. (laughs) Agreed. So, naturally, I just happen to know a few well-heeled rubes who are always in the mood for a little poker game. Well, that's a good idea. I better check my cash reserve. Well, maybe I better call my broker, E.F. (laughs) Nutton. Not to worry, Al. You are having such a run of good luck. That's why Marcy and I will be happy to stake you. All you have to do is not tell Marcy. (laughs) And you and I will split the winnings. But Jefferson, I'm cursed. Fine, we won't tell Peggy either. No, it's all this good luck I'm having. See, if I won a big poker game, I'd be dead. No, Jefferson, I'm sorry, but I got to look out for number one here. No amount of money is worth my life. How about if we get you a big screen TV? I'm in. Like, he actually starts talking about, I, there's no other way to say it. He wants to weaponize Al's luck. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which, you know what? I've often thought of that. Any kind of time I see a movie where there's, like, a magic thing giving luck, or even a magic thing giving bad luck, I'm like, if you know, if you know that the universe works this way, can't you just, you know, make it work for you? Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of on Jefferson's side with this, but Al has been having good luck, Stephen, for the entire day. Yeah. Like little tiny things that would just make my day amazing. He comes home and he says, guess what happened today, Peg? And Peg says to him, a fat woman came in the shoe store, right? And he says, no, they were all beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) That was, I like that joke. I thought that was hilarious. (laughs) That is so great. Again, again, I think this budget for this episode may have been $5 because we don't see any beautiful women and we know this show has no problem showing beautiful women. Yep. But yeah, so all the women were beautiful. And just mundane things, he made every single light. Yep, every green That light. would scare me. Like <sighs> On top of that, um, he says that the oldies, the oldies station he likes to listen to played all of his favorite songs. Ah, oh, like, you know, it it's a childish idea, Stephen, this whole thing about, you know what, if I get it's like 
it's like my name is Earl level Carl. Oh, I love that show. Yeah, I forgot about that show. (laughs) (laughs) You do good things, good things happen to you. You do bad things, bad things happen to you. Which is a very simplified version of karma. Uh But what Al's talking about is a weird version of karma itself. And I'm at first, I was like, oh, please. But now, if I was in his shoes, I'm kind of on his side. Like, if I'm having that much good luck throughout a day, I start worrying, like, oh, man, something bad is going to happen. I I think we're all wired that way to a certain extent. Not everybody, but quite a few. Because I find myself in that same boat as well. I'm thinking, wow, it's been good. I've had some nice paychecks. I've got some good money saved up. And then all of a sudden I get, like a few years ago, I got an easement on my uh, condo. I had to pay something like uh, $1,400, you know. Ugh. Yeah, it was. it's hard to explain. And uh, then I had You said it was three, an easement? Well, not like an easement. It was like, I forget exactly I, what. But well, I have no have idea to, what an easement yeah. is. Well, so. it's, <laughs> it's, it, it's hard to explain, but... Uh, Sometimes to keep a condo going, you have to pay a little fee. Everybody had to. Uh, And then there was um, that same year, I had like three major home repairs I had to do. And so that was money out of my wallet. So, yeah, when when we get good luck, I think a lot of human beings think, oh, God, bad luck's a coming. So I'm not worried now because I've had um, two car wrecks over the last six months. Both, neither of them were my fault, but in either case, I think I'm covered on the bad luck for a while. I don't know, man. Like, if they were, it probably would have been better if they were your fault. I mean, if they were your fault, that's super bad luck. Well, another really bad luck was that the first one was backing up on the highway and he hit me. And I was lucky it wasn't worse. It wasn't really severe. Uh, the bad part was, uh, while he did pull over and he gave me his name, which turned out to be bogus. And um, it turned out he didn't have license and he didn't have an ins- insurance. And that wasn't his car. Someone had loaned it to him. Holy shit. And then he left the scene. So, yeah. You know what? You should have, like, tried to capture that guy. There probably would have been a reward for it. Well, the thing was, I did snap a picture of his uh, license tag. So I had that to give to the cop when the cop came. I have not had anything that bad happen to me. I, I've been having actually pretty good luck lately, so that's why I'm not leaving my room today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got Al really, really worried about this, but Jefferson has a fascinating idea. He knows some well-heeled rubes that are always in the mood for a poker game. Well, the word rubes was used in Season 5, Episode 23 and 24, Route 666. So, basically, these rubes. Uh, well, no, first, Jefferson's like, like, do you want to do this, Al? Do you want to like play this poker game? And Al just stares at him, and he goes, that's a good idea, Jefferson. Let me just check my cash reserve. Oh, maybe I better call my broker, E.F. Nutton. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm just I'm laughing at the word uh nutton that I wrote down because it's just a funny word to look at because I didn't get the joke of that it was a play on the uh name EF Hutton. Yeah, that was an American stockbrokerage firm started uh, founded in 1904 by Edward Francis Hutton and his brother Franklin Laws Franklin Laws Hutton and it was the most respected financial terms 
And I remember their commercials. Uh, I mean, they're closed up in 2019. But the thing is, their commercials were my advisor is e- my financial advisor is E.F. Hutton. And everybody in the restaurant would be really quiet and listen because they want to know what E.F. Hutton has to say. Mm, stock brokerage. Wow. And, and real quick, I think that E.F. Nutton was also a play on the nut and honey um, commercials and breakfast cereal. Oh. Did you ever see those? I it was I don't think so. Okay. This is Nut and Honey was a cereal and um the commercials were like you know, the husband would be eating it and his wife would say, What's that you're eating, dear? And he says, It's nut and honey. And she would get offended. <laughs> and she was like, Gosh, ask a simple question. And she's playing her piano and she says, Do you have any more of that? What you call it? It's nut and honey. And she gets offended again. And then at the end of the commercial, he asks her, what's that song you're playing on the piano? It's nothing, honey. And she looks at the audience and says, two can play at that game. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Uh, You know what? The more you're describing this, the more I think I must have seen this on YouTube somewhere. Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's a funny word. It's a funny word to say. Like, what are you doing over there? Nothing. Oh my gosh! Okay, so uh, after that beautiful stock brokerage joke, uh, Jefferson says, "Don't you worry, I can. I've got some money stored away. I'll back you up." And we, the scene flips with Al with the promise of a new TV screen on the way, and Jefferson feeling that you know that itch he gets with the idea of a good scam, a really good continuity thing to keep going with Jefferson by the way right Stephen yeah like we were worried that this wasn't going to continue in the later episodes but it really does anytime there's a chance for a scam he's all in because he's a scammer oh yeah like chicken McComico. <laughs> exactly a chicken like pool sharking and he goes like he doesn't just go in he goes he tom cruises it he goes all the way in like he'll get the suit he'll get the clothes ready he'll get the lingo down i really like his uh dedication to a bit yeah so with all of their you know you know with al's luck on his side and jefferson's springing his step we move on to the probably most boring poker game ever filmed in a television show ain't that the truth like, seriously, I have seen poker games in about 15 different sitcoms. It's an easy thing to be- make funny. And you have three, as Alex, I believe, mentioned, <laughs> to, as three as th- uh, three r- Italian mafioso ex-cons. Yeah. <laughs> which our f- good friend Luigi took offense to. But I'm sorry, Luigi... That's what they are. They literally called themselves that. <laughs> so yeah, we got um I have in my the only notes I have on this poker game is and I quote, "Wow, the loud shirts on these thugs playing cards." I didn't notice that. I just thought it was, you know, there was the dialogue was pretty anemic. I mean, there was only one thing I thought was interesting when when Al says, uh, "Jefferson, I don't own the D O D G E yet." It's kind of like he's still paying on this thing. Uh, At one point, he wanted to buy a new car, and it turns out he repurchases his old car that's just gotten a paint job. Oh, my God. Every, You know what? The Dodge is such a 
pivotal thing to Married with Children, but every time it's brought up, it just really, really makes me sad. Because, like, the, every episode, it's just Al getting so, so, so disrespected that it actually makes me angry at some points. The whole money being taken out of his box by all the family members just... Oh, no, it's taken out by Peggy, yeah, but... Uh... You know, he keeps trying to get ahead and he can't. And again, that comes back to a little bit later when I'm going to discuss about uh, his curse. Gotcha. So a little quick expo on these guys playing cards. We've got Louie playing cards, but he is a he's J.J. Johnson. He's a married with children veteran, Stephen. Yep. He's yeah, he's been in about um, one, two, three, four, five episodes yeah, uh, six episodes actually. Of course, yeah, a few got... of them are, are haven't aired yet, but or aren't in our production number yet. But yeah, that is true. But yeah, total of six episodes. Some not even in there. Uh, what what are those episodes, Stephen? Well, I have listed here who who's where's the boss, and that was in the first season. He played Happy. He was in Luck of the well, of course, he's in Luck of the Bundy. He's no pot to peas in. He's the security guard. The Who, the Bud, the Kelly, part two, he was Bebe. Uh, (laughs) I think he was, oh, maybe I'll figure it out later. And in Trash, the drill instructor, and I rank that as one of the worst episodes of Married with Children, by the way. I mean, they named it so. And and actually, it's not Trash. It's capital (laughs) T-R-A-S-H. Gotta say it right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we also have Lee Arnberg, Arnberg, as Sal. And he's one of those, hey, it's that guy actors. But most notably for us, he's the lead in a 1990 episode of Tales from the Crypt with Katie Seagal and Sam Kennison's voice in his head, which... When I found that out, that instantly went into my next watching um, for later tonight. Yeah. And then there's, um, what was the other one? Weasel. Yeah, Weasel. <laughs> I was like, but I don't have anything on him, you know? Oh, well, I do. Uh, Weasel, Stephen, is one of those paradox of a person. Jefferson Darcy, are you gambling? Uh, no, honey bunch. (laughs) I'm just, uh, having my environmental sensitivity meeting. And and as a matter of fact, this is our guest speaker, Dr. William the Weasel Sullivan. Doc? (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Tonight, our focus is on Oregon, where the logging industry keeps raping the old-growth forest, which... The endangered spotted owl depends on for sanctuary. Weasel. Oh, I'm impressed. How'd you know all that stuff about the spotted owl? Well, we bury a lot of our guys in the Northwest. (laughs) And we care. Um, He lives a life that you would not normally expect would lead someone to be conscious about environmental concerns. Hmm. However, he is. Even though he does participate in activities that one would call illegal and does things that may or may not be considered murder by some parties. And sometimes you he would, if you could say, dispose of these murdered victims, air quotes, 
in a place up in the Northwest. Mm-hmm. And he happens, and one of these days while he's taking care of business, he starts to notice that the logging industry keeps raping the old growth forest, which the endangered spotted owl depends on for its sanctuary. And he just shoves this right into Marcy's face. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that part. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, Marcy and Peggy come in, and they're like, who are these creepos? And Jefferson has a really good idea. They are of... They, they're... they're they're just local business friends. And here's uh, Weasel. He's a, um, uh, a, a, a friend of the environment, uh, an environmental crusader. Yeah. And that's when Weasel literally comes up and gives that whole thing about the logging industry, which is actually referring to a real thing. So a quick summary about the spotted owls, which pop up in a lot of TV and movies. It even popped up in an episode of Johnny Bravo. Um, <laughs> so in June 22nd, 1990, a few months after I was born, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service declared the owl, spotted owls of uh, Oregon threatened. In 1991, Seattle, U.S. District Judge William Dwyer rules the federal government had not done enough to protect the owl and temporarily shuts down most timber sales in old-growth habitat. Now, skip forward two years into 1993, federal scientists say spotted owl populations appear to be declining. And I actually remember this. President Clinton and Vice President Al Gore host a forest conference in Portland, which later gives rise to the Northwest Forest Plan. And the reason why I sing, I, I remember this, not this particular thing, because I was three, I do remember this would continue, this whole thing about Clinton and his government trying to push uh, wildlife reform to actually saving and restoring the uh, bald eagle population. So, yeah, the fact that we have uh, the bald eagles were down to like, a, it was like two or three hundred left in existence. And now there are at over 10,000. So it's still endangered, but it's no longer immediate to extinction. So some good did comes out of this. Yeah. And uh, after this whole thing, Marcy, took in, taking it back, just goes, hm, well, who gives a hoot? I give a hoot. <laughs> Which is Stephen. What is this a reference to? Oh, yeah. And I do remember this because I grew up with it. It was a reference to Woodsy Al, who said, give a hoot, don't pollute. That slogan was introduced in uh, 1971 on September 15th. Several songs have been used in conjunction with this environmental campaign like the Ballad of Woodsy Owl, help Woodsy spread the word. So, yeah. Um, and I mentioned Weird Al Yankovic earlier. Apparently, John Bermuda Schwartz, his drummer, uh, recorded the Woodsy Owl song. Amazing. That's two Weird Al references in one form of media. I think that's a record so far for him. Oh, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> Think about the naked gun, because he's referenced in all of them. <laughs> Good point. But yeah, like Woodsy Owl, I was not around for Woodsy the Owl, but was he, did he have any relation to Mr. Owl from the Tootsie Roll commercials? Uh, Tootsie Pop commercials? No, but I I did, he, Woodsy Owl, he tasted great. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, that's where he went! Dang, dang you, Stephen! <laughs> you kill, you killed Woodsy. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah, like Woodsy Owl telling me to give a hoot and don't pollute, shoving that 
environmental stuff down there. You got the Mr. Owl uh, telling kids he knows how many licks get to the center of a Tootsie Pop and just eats them. What's with these owls? They're they're mean. I don't know, but I will say one thing on pollution. You know, I'm a bicyclist. I like to go out, and it amazes me how people just drop their trash on our bike trails and on our jogging trails and down near our river and along our creeks. It's disgusting, and I'm hoping... You guys don't have litter laws out there? We do, but they're just not enforced, and, of course, they're done late at night, and sometimes by homeless people. I mean, what are you going to do to a homeless person who pollutes? But uh, I'm going to try and start up something to maybe clean up this area. I mean, if you're homeless... Isn't, isn't it the Al Bundy thinking everybody's backyard is yours and everybody's backyard is your trash can? That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, the girl, the ladies leave and the turns out Al's luck is paying out. Well, I'm tapped. Come on, guys. Let's hit the road. I say we hit Bundy and then the road. <laughs> hey, what are we, a bunch of wimps? No, we're a bunch of pissed-off ex-cons who don't like people calling us wimps. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what. least we can do is give you guys a chance to even things out. How are you going to do that? You got all our money. Yeah, but you still have one thing left to get it back. Our guns? Okay, two things. Uh, I was thinking of your cars. Jefferson, this is something you should know. I don't own the D-O-D-G-E. <laughs> he has cleaned these mafioso dudes out. They've got nothing. And you would think this would be where, all right, we're out, we're done. But no. Jefferson has to just, he's got to, He's just, he's got to be, he's one of those guys. We all know them, right, Stephen? Yeah, you know, just don't know when to quit. Which is really ironic in a way because in Psychic Avengers, he wanted to pull out. He thought it was getting too big and people were going to notice it. This is really opposite of him because when he's a sneaky little bastard too, at least he knows when to put the brakes on usually. Now, he's not. Now, see, with Psychic Avengers... He knew what they were doing was a scam. Because he was psychic. He knew, there yeah. was, he knew there was no real powers. So he knew their success was based on what we would call real luck. Just good fortune by happenstance. So I think this works. He is not a believer in the supernatural. Jefferson is not. He is not a believer in fate or anything. He is a believer in what he knows. I don't think he quite gets what's creating Al's luck, but he sees it work. And for what he knows, I mean, why would it just stop working? Like, you might as well see it's worth the bet that we can beat this. So he's not, in a sense, wrong to give it a shot. But at the end of the day, you need to know when enough's enough. Yeah, you do. So, yeah. Um, But he doesn't. So he decides, you know what, guys, there's a chance you can win all your money back. But here's the deal. In poker, when it comes to betting, you can't just, like, throw... I can't just throw my clothes down there. That's one of those funny jokes is, you know, uh, it'll show, like, a poker game playing, and then it'll fade out, and everybody's in their underwear. That's not how poker works. No one's going to be betting their clothes unless it's, like... Strip poker. Really. Yeah, unless it's strip poker. Or you're wearing, like the Armani or something like that. Um, no, you need to have something of value, 
which I love. One of the guys is like, with what, our guns? <laughs> which, you know what? Uh, guns are expensive. They are. Sure, throw them on there. Yeah, guns are expensive, uh, especially ones with serial numbers scratched off. Uh-huh. But um, no, no, no. You need to have something of actual value. How about your cars? And I facepalm, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. All of the guys pull out their keys, including a, a joke which I call a grandpa knee slapper. And you know there was one of them just slapping that knee when the character pulled, when the bald-headed guy pulls out a Hello Kitty keychain. Slapping that knee, Stephen? You slapping it over there? Not slapping it. It's it's almost it's kind of a painful joke, really. <laughs> it really is. But the guy, the line he says, I don't like it how it was written, but he delivers it really funny. <laughs> Hello, kitty. <laughs> well, yeah, it looks funny, but it feels really good in my pocket. Like, right. it looks weird. But it feels good in my pocket. <laughs> I don't know why. He delivers that poor line very well. Yeah. There's some little interesting facts on Hello Kitty. So he is a fictional character produced by the Japanese company Sanrio. It was brought to the U.S. in 1976. And as of 2019, you're going to, this is going to blow your mind, Stephen. Hello Kitty is the second highest grossing franchise of all time second only to pokemon and it's generated 80 billion dollars in lifetime retail sales that didn't blow my mind but (laughs) i wish i could have been in on it sure as hell blew my mind pokemon deserves that money they created Hundreds of thousands of individual Pokemon created massive landscapes and beautiful uh, story structures and movies that have, you know, beloved uh, children of all time. Hello Kitty is a circle with little two triangles and a nose and eyes. Mm -hmm. It looks like a kindergartner drew it, which is cute. Almost a hundred billion dollars. Wow. You're right. I I need to go on that. Um, So... We've got we got we got everybody throwing in their cards their uh, keys, except for Al, <laughs> because he does not own that Dodge. I, it still blows my mind. Yeah. Ugh. And then Jefferson, in full glee, walks outside and believe it or not, nobody is hears him. Shouts, "I'm going to Disneyland." <laughs> Oh. Which that's that was funny. Just you know what? We're not even gonna try. This is just a funny little sketch. I, I like it when Mary with Children turns into like a sketch comedy for a quick second. Yeah. So yeah, they're coming back in and it's one of those rapid we're just gonna do a quick hand, even though poker hands take way longer than this. Um everyone's, you know, asking what do you cards do you want to give up? And Al just Do we ever know what hand Al originally had? Well, it was all the same kind with a 10, a jack. It was a 10, jack, uh, queen, king, ace. Th- he had a straight. Yeah, that's it. Uh-huh. He had, he had, no, yeah, he had a straight flush. Because it was all of this in the same suit, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. The way it works, guys, um, in poker, it's whoever has the most common suit. And there's a few ways you can win. You can get a straight, you can get a flush, you can get a straight flush, 
you can get a royal flush, or you can get what Al gets, because Al was not comfortable with a straight flush on his first hand. He throws those cards down, not willing to cheat fate, and slides it over and goes, give me four. I want to get rid of these these four cards. Take them away. And Jefferson was, was just shocked. He just thought, oh my God, Al, what are you doing? Yeah, you're giving away uh, like a one in hundred shot of getting that. But here's the thing, Stephen. It's a good thing he did that because he throws his cards down. Jefferson gives him four random new ones. And he's like, everybody call it. First two guys, not so much. The last guy in the loudest shirt <laughs> is goes, I got a royal flush. Now, a royal flush usually beats everything. That's the same. Uh, that's all the, you know, jack, queen, king, and the same color and the same uh, suit. There's only one thing that can beat that, Stephen. One, two three, four aces. And Al has all four of them. Well, Kelly got all four of them at least uh, three or four times <laughs> and Buck saves the day. <laughs> of course, she was cheating. Oh, like, <laughs> true. She was, yeah, she was cheating. And that's the amazing thing. This is actually a really well-crafted scene because if Al had kept those straight flush he would have lost because the other guy had a royal flush that would have beaten him and instead his actions of trying to beat the good luck got him the only thing that would have won giving him the biggest luck of all and i actually did a little math research Stephen. the odds of getting four aces on a single draw is one in two hundred and seventy thousand seven hundred and twenty-five, or zero point zero 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 four percent? Unbelievable. So, Al is in the twilight zone of luck right now. So until until this, and because that's the thing, Al is like. He's just waiting for God to destroy him right now. Like, he's standing there waiting, and nothing bad happened. And then... The curse is over. For 40 years in the darkness, finally I can lift my head up into the light and proclaim to one and all that Al Bundy is a winner! Hands up! This is a raid! Of course. <laughs> all right. Who owns the Mercedes, the BMW, and the Porsche parked out front? He does! Well, we're running a make on the plates. I think they're all stolen. <laughs> I'm sure of it. <laughs> Officer, could you do me a favor and turn on the TV? Why? Just a hunch. Tonight, our TV-10 cameras caught one of the most spectacular accidents in Chicago history. Here we go. A young girl dressed as the Verminator was temporarily blinded by a red-headed woman taking a flash photo of her as she jumped over a bonfire on a motorcycle. Al Bundy, this is your life. Upon landing, she crashed into a nearby fraternity house, igniting a fire which will force the fraternity members to move back home for the semester. No one is sure at this time which fraternity was destroyed. Oh, I'm sure. 
Fortunately, the Verminator escaped injury. But since she had no insurance, someone will be paying for the damage for a long time. But not with those winnings, eh, officer? What winnings? My mistake. Let's go. Well, at least this curse is over. I'm a free man. Lock me up. And for tonight's weather, balmy and clear. A perfect Chicago night. Except over one man's house. My favorite line in here, when he's drawing four new cards, and Jefferson's mad at him, Al says, I still get the big screen TV, right? <laughs> sure, 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 Al. Yeah, sure, Al. Parking to our original opening line. Yeah. So, yeah. So, basically, the cops bust in. Um, they It's an illegal game. We've got cops being dirty by stealing the money. And as everything is happening, the TV just... Someone says, turn on... I was like, turn on the TV. And... I, I didn't even write it down. Steven, do you have everything that happened on this news report, or should we just let it play in the cl- clips? You can let it play in the clips, but essentially someone takes a picture. It was Peg that blinded the Verminator, and so she crashed into a fraternity house, which was burned down. So the fraternity people are going to have to move out and go back and live with their parents. And the uh, Verminator uh, spokesperson was not insured. However, in all honesty... You know, the company that sponsored her, they would be the ones taking the brunt. And also, exactly. you might remember when, they, when the cops came in, they asked everyone, hey, man, who who owns those cars out there? They all pointed out because he just went in the game. However, they have to sign over the liens to him. So, Well, I mean, and they're not even registered. They're stolen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, I, it's just. So technically, Al is in possession of stolen property. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they weren't actually written, but it's just. But it's not full possession, like, really, because it's just a game, an illegal game that they have no evidence for, because all the winnings were taken. Exactly. So it's you just got to dispend disbelief, but you got to dispend it way too much, too fast. Everything happens way too fast. It's just. And you might want to mention who was part of that raid. Oh yes. The um, the uh, our one and only Dan Tullius Jr. as appears as an unnamed policeman in the credits, but in a future episode, and I'm not going to say what, he will finally get credited as the one and only Officer Dan, former FBI agent Dan, <laughs> former sheriff's deputy Dan. <laughs> current uh, money-making off of cricket poker game <laughs> officer dan I, oh he's a great character i just love when he shows up it would have been really funny if he was like in the police academy movies or something like that no ma'am we'll be right back to wrap up this week's review be sure to join their facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates be sure to subscribe to them on the apple podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. 
You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. So, Steve, that pretty much covers it for the luck of the Bundys. So, Stephen, out of out of how many aces out of five would you give this episode of Married with Children? I would give it a three, three aces: the ace, the king, and the queen. <laughs> I mean the uh, <laughs> I mean the the diamonds, the um, cl- well, whatever. I would just give it three aces. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't think. It's still too early in the morning, but uh, I, I I liked it, but I didn't love it. I thought it had a lot more potential to do a lot more, and I thought the I agree with you that the uh, poker game was actually kind of boring. It really didn't do anything, and uh, might, it could have had some more banter, some more jokes. I also thought some of the jokes in here were, um, you know, just. Some of them were good, but some of them were just meh, like they weren't trying that hard. So that's my rating. And real quick, I want to give you my theory on the Bundy curse. Yes, um, he was raided by the cops, so that might be part of the curse. But the real curse is his family. Think about it. Peg took the picture that blinded Kelly. If that didn't happen, you know, at least the kids would have still moved out and the kids are now coming back all because Peggy took a picture at the wrong moment, you know, and that is the curse. I mean, in the England show, you know, when they were trapped between the two towns uh, and then they decided to have a jousting contest, Peggy was worried about the tickets because she thought she left them back in the motel. And he says to the, uh, town people and you guys thought you were cursed that is his albatross that's hanging around his neck she took the money so he could buy a new car way back in season four she spent the uh, mortgage money on seven okay and everything she does is his curse and there was another one when um peggy bolt uh i think it was called peggy turns 300 when she bolted 300 he uh, told his kids kids you're seeing the bundy curse you, you guys, we're all blood bu- blood Bundys, but your mother is only a Bundy by marriage. There's the curse, the red-headed curse. <laughs> so, wow, Stephen, that is very, very insightful. I never thought about that. Oh, y- you know what? You're absolutely right. And it just makes me laugh because the Simpsons made a funny joke about that where um, it was all they were all it was who shot Mr. Burns yeah where they found Simpsons DNA and they're like except for yours mom because you're a Bouvier she's like no 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 when I married your father I took every his name and everything that went with it including (laughs) DNA (laughs) even March has her dumb Uh, moments (laughs) oh I love that but it's um (laughs) so very very fascinating uh, theory on this whole thing but for me, I give this episode three star, three aces out of five. And I chose aces because to get five aces means you would have to cheat. Because it's impossible for anybody to give this episode a five. It barely, barely made it to three. I gave it a three because literally the whole news report at the end was just wonderful. How it just kept going and how it ended with such a punchline... it's one of those it's that rake r-a-k-e kind of joke where it's just it's 
funny, then it's not funny, and then it keeps going, and then it's funny again. Mm-hmm. And they have Mario Children has that dynamic set. But for the rest of the episode, the whole feeling I have is I told you off the air that let's say this episode, every episode of Mario Children gets like $800,000. Some executive walked out there and said, Well, guys, sorry, but you only get 10000 for this episode, but you still got to make it work. And I think they wrote something really good, but they had no way to really shoot it. There were good things, but and good premises. And I'm more feeling like I'm cheated out of a lot of good things. Maybe instead of bringing in this uh, Kelly and Bud subplot that only gets referenced twice, once in the beginning of the episode, and with the exception of Kelly coming down as her verminator, again at the end maybe you could have had them calling every time or peggy running into the house and saying like oh my god al kelly is doing like leave me alone peg and she grabs the camera again and like runs back out um or something just or like you mentioned earlier it would have been cool to be in the shoe store and see some hot naked chicks not naked some hot chicks come into the store that he mentions to Peg a little bit later. Yeah, or, yeah, and have, like, show show him finding good luck. He finds money on the ground. Um, a dog is about to pee on him, and then instead uh, a lady's like, come here, jackals, and then the dog jumps in her mouth. I was like, young man, you are so amazing for saving my doggy. Here's some money. And yeah. just hands it to him. Or him, maybe, or him being in the car and hearing some of his favorite... It would have been awesome if uh, he was in the car and they played Anna, you know, go with him. <laughs> yeah, and the D- or yeah, with or the DJ going like, and here's some oldie goodies for, that'll bring you back to that wonderful time before you were married, um, and just yeah, there's good material, but they just didn't execute it, so I can't give it more than a three, and a three is only because they ended so well. All right, I said I was going, and I'm going. But let me tell you something. I'm not going to just disappear. You'll see me again. Wherever a fat woman shoves a smelly foot (laughs) in front of some poor guy's face, I'll be there. And now, the last word on this episode. Calling in from his two-thirds acre retirement property on Lake Chickamacomico that the government hasn't yet padlocked, Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the creator and executive producer of the Married with Children podcast, Mr. Alex Edwards. Well, here it is. Kelly coming in the house in her waitress uniform for the last time. You know, it's really a sad thing because I just love that episode of Kelly at the Diner with Brian Doyle Murray. And I just love the idea that she was still there. Just knowing. And every time she comes in, you just like that episode goes through your mind and it's just a good thing. The biggest punch in the gut is that she's burning the uniform. So not only will we never see it again, but now we know it doesn't exist anymore. That's doubly sad. You know, this Bundy curse... Al says the foot odor thing, that's one of the curses from Lower Uncton, right? It's really great to see all these great things happening to Al. I love when Bud says, into the frat house and out of the rat house. (laughs) Kelly in the Verminator outfit. 
That's another great episode. TV Land, or TV World, whatever it was. I love that Kelly's going to do a stunt on a Harley. It makes me wish she still had her Harley Davidson motorcycle. But, uh, of course, you know, she went head first into it when Al was on the bike. So, yeah, that motorcycle is, uh, that's gone. I love the Dutch boy, uh, I mean, Marcy scene. That was cool. I love Jefferson saying, yeah, but she makes money. <laughs> In classic, you know, we don't get too much of Jefferson, you know, the darker side of him. But I love how he's the one who sets up the poker game to take advantage of Al's good luck. And he has all these, like, ex-cons there. Like, that's another touch of, you know, the whole... Well, I, I think he always mentions that he looks too much like a wuss on the show. So I always feel that he... uh pushes to have the cooler side of Jefferson come out a little bit. This is an example of that. This is great. Al winning all night, no matter what he does. The thing that's fascinating, though, is it says several hours later, and Al keeps winning. It's like, wouldn't you bail after Al won for, like, the first straight hour? (laughs) You know, one guy out of, like, the five of you or whatever is winning over and over and over and... like, wouldn't you just be like, all right, yeah, I'm I'm good, man. And just, like, say, I'm out. Like, who keeps doing this for hours upon hours? And then we find out that Al doesn't actually own the Dodge. He hasn't owned the Dodge since high school. And he's, like, 45. That is just weird. When Jefferson is dancing with Al and he says, I hope those are chips in your pocket. And he says, well, mostly. <laughs> So Al wins, there's immediately a raid, and Al owns all four cars, (laughs) although none of them are registered in his name, but of course that's uh, taking it too seriously and figuring out a way that Al will still be okay. Hearing about Kelly being blinded by the picture, having the motorcycle accident that causes Bud's frat house to go up in flames, he has to move back home, Kelly has no insurance... Al's winning, stolen by Officer Dan and the other cops. And then we get that uh, glimpse of that uh, rain cloud that hangs over Al's house. Remember he said that it uh, showed up after the kids were born? I think that was Jefferson's first episode that Al mentioned that. Married with who? So, yeah, this is a really good episode. I really enjoy this. Um, I give this a four out of five. I really like this one. That's Al, folks! So, yeah, that pretty much is going to close it out for me and Steven today. Next week, join our awesome Aussie friends as they take on the episode Banking on Marcy from 1993. In this episode, Marcy tries to overcome her fear of public speaking by fantasizing she's elsewhere having sex in the bedroom, which is a real treat for the audience. But the only people that are turned off by Marcy's simulated lovemaking skills are an embarrassed Jefferson, a shocked Peggy, and a disgusted Al who's hooked on rap videos? It's gonna be a fun one, folks, so see y'all next week. 